Good morning, everyone. We have the digital version of Office Hours. I have my great co-host, somebody's crackling, uh, David Reno and Mike Momola. Mike, you want to mute for a second? We got to figure out who's, yep, it's Mike. All righty. So <laughs> Seiju Jong is the hey, CEO and co-founder of what is one of my new faves. Uh, I think your marketing campaigns for Noom are extraordinary. I've been waiting for a company uh, to get it within you know the health and wellness space and weight loss space about lifestyle. You, mm -hmm. you know, and, and look, I, I know I'm going to get in big trouble for this, Seju, but my wife has been dieting for 23 years since I've been married, and she looks <laughs> she looks terrific, but she has done 65 different diets, and it's the same 10 pounds that she has gained and lost, gained and lost. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. I've been trying to tell her, hey, why don't we do something that you can do for the rest of your life? And mm -hmm. I think that's what Noom is really hit upon, which is why and how you got over half a billion dollars of funding. Uh, I'd love to understand your background though, because I, very few people in the space get it. And I was mm -hmm. wondering how you came upon the journey of getting it. Thanks for having me today. You know, nice to meet you, David. And um, Noom Journey started 14 years ago with a strong mission that we want to help many lives, as, as many as we can. But my personal background started from South Korea. My father uh, was a physician, and he has helped many lives as a doctor. But unfortunately, he had a long, uh, terminal lung cancer, so I lost him. And in that, um, the, the trauma event actually helped me to realize that um, how I can make an impact to help the population health because my father taught me a lot and uh, the way he had helped a lot of lives was more uh, sick care, unfortunately, because a lot of patients are, uh, are sick and uh, a little like, it was not completely preventative approach. So that really um, awakened my, um, the way I see the world and it really inspired me. So that was the original story and I came to the United States for uh, meeting the great talent and uh, build a business that can actually go abroad and uh, globally uh, we can afford the business. And that's my uh, personal background and how we started 14 years ago with my co-founder, Artem Petakov. Beautiful. Noom, that's a great story. And it, it's really, it says a lot about you that you're following, you know, Thank a family you. of physicians and using your dad uh, and your family's commitment to the well-being of others to to be the the bug light and the vehicle in which you know your entrepreneurial company started, and that's mm -hmm. why I want to spend a little time. Uh, you all just took in a huge funding round of 540 million, and mm -hmm. that's no small feat. I, I'd love for you to uh, to tell us about that and, um, and 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 what sort of things you think made your company stand out uh, when you went to to raise that money. Thank you very much. Again, it was not just overnight like a story, as you can tell. 14 years is a real like commitment. And uh, our mission is very uh, strong and uh, noble that we want to apply technology that we can help many lives. And uh, we what we have discovered, behavior change is so powerful way we can help a lot of lives. And then the way we tackle the conditions currently is weight loss because weight management is the best uh, a gateway for covering a lot of conditions and the gateway for most of the healthcare issues. So we realized with this little success that we can actually do better 
applying the behavior change to cover other conditions and also the global market. So that story has been well uh, uh, perceived by investors, very good investors. And uh, we were able to meet a, a long-term good investor, Silver Lake, and, and they understood our story and also are thrilled about the opportunity there, how the behavior change platform can actually do more and build a truly a powerful preventive approach to the service in healthcare. So that's the story. And obviously, we need a lot of great talent. So we wanted to make a, a aggressive R&D investment. We need more talent to build a better service. As David mentioned, uh, his wife's story, a lot of people struggle with the behavior change and also weight issues or lifestyle. We understand that we have a good empathy. We want to build a better product. So we need more talent and our new investment will be well uh, used for uh, hiring great talent and to build a better product. Teju, good morning. And I apologize. I think I'm having a little bit of a technical difficulty here. I'm, I, if you have some uh, crackling. Um, but I can I'm hear you. We live in You're okay. The world's right. not I'm ending anymore. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. And I know what you're doing is psychology-based. And, and it starts with understanding ourselves before we can understand others. And I'd love for you to explain how important that is within your ecosystem, with, within you as an individual, which I think is, is so powerful, and how that impacts your success for your company. So uh, my, so my, the way we discover the, the, our service and we're developing services actually from day one, actually from day one that we had a strong belief that if we truly pay attention to our end user experience, and if you pay attention how we can help their struggles, and in health, as a healthcare company, if we deliver healthy outcome, then the business will follow. And we've been sticking with that uh, promise. We continue to stick with that uh, the philosophy. So we continue to learn what struggles our users have, and then we apply the technology and scientific approach that we can actually help them to build a healthy habit, which will lead of course, more uh, the weight management or beyond the weight management, the benefits. So that's the way we've been thriving and we'll continue to learn uh, with our users, but we will provide a better service and quality. Yes, they do. One of my favorite things, you know, I spend a ton of time in Korea uh, in the last boom, uh, 1999, uh, mm -hmm. and a lot of companies were getting funded, but what they didn't understand uh, back then, which I think you have been uh, acclimated to, is what what I call the overnight success problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to congratulate you because, in my opinion, you're about three and a half years uh, earlier than a normal overnight success. I always say it takes 17 and a half years uh, to be an overnight success, and you did it in 14 uh, because it takes about 90% of the time to get to 25% of the way there. And usually you have to face right. many obstacles along the way. In fact, you know, bankruptcy, closing, you know, it, it, if people knew, and I'll say this for you, if you had to look back and knew what you had to do to get to where you are today, most people wouldn't do it if they knew what they had to do. If they knew how many times the payroll was due, you know, eminent death and, and destruction of their company, they, they wouldn't do it. That's the trick, you know, uh, it's like being um, pregnant as a woman, right? If somebody would explain to your wife what they have to go through to have mm -hmm. a baby, they'd be like, oh no, I'm never having a baby. But somehow they do it again. 
Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. was the closest for you so people can understand? Did you ever feel as if you're going to go out of business, go bankrupt? Did you ever feel like quitting? Because you're at 100 times revenue growth. And I would say you go from 25%. Now the next period of time goes to 50. Most people quit by then. Then it goes to 100% of the way there, then 200, 400, 800% of the way there. You guys are at 100 times growth right now. But were there times when you wanted to quit and almost go bankrupt and not make payroll? So, yeah, it's more than I, I, I mean, there were a lot of times that I felt very difficult. And um, it's more than just like, an, can I stop this? But matter of fact, the way we were able to overcome the struggles were actually the great, strong, our mission and why we found the company. It is important why we found the company. Matter of fact, that I do remind myself and our team almost weekly basis why we found the company and why numerally our members are here today. And I'd like to remind ourselves to make sure that we are here simply because we want to help many lives. That's our promise company mission. And the thing is in healthcare, there are so many issues are out there and we can make some impact positively. So they actually hold us get together and get, become stronger. We faced many difficult time over 14 years for sure, because I did not know how to operate it. And it pro probably our product was not good enough, not ready. So we had to face a difficult time, but that is the only way probably that we can learn what went wrong. And we always face these difficult time as a lesson learning opportunity. And then again, we came back to our company mission to remind us we can overcome the difficult time. This sounds very cliche, but I have to tell you, this is the way we were able to overcome the difficult time. And matter of fact, remember my personal story is completely aligned with how Noom has been evolved and why we are here together. So I often feel like this is kind of like my personal calling. I have to do this right. And our people who join Noom's company, I ask and we ask at the final interview, why is you have to join Noom company? And we received a very strong uh, commitment from them because they care healthcare. They do want to make a big impact in healthcare, make a positive and healthy world. And that is simply big and strong enough. And that holds us together. Well, just real quick, Dave, uh, I do want to reiterate, you know, what I've learned throughout the years working with, you know, such athletes, the elite athletes, you know, we were with Apollo Ono yesterday, how important nutrition is. You know, I believe we had people uh, that, you know, were curing cancer uh, with diet and other things in the Office Hours TV show, uh, which we'd love to have you on next season uh, because you're an extraordinary guest. But nutrition, in my opinion, in my experience, is at least 80% of your wellness, more than working out, more than anything else. Right. Uh, you know, the inflammation in our bodies, which causes all types of problems, is directly related to what we're putting in our body. Uh, and I, I believe the same thing about our mind uh, saved you as well, right? What we're feeding in our mind is what we end up manifesting outside of ourselves as well as our bodies. Uh, so I want to congratulate you because I want people to really, I love your marketing campaign is about that. You know, that, you know, this is the way that we solve so many issues just through having a healthy diet. Sorry, David, for interrupting. No, no, mm -hmm. sorry. Totally good. And I'm glad that you highlighted that because I think the nutrition uh, and folks working on uh, 
solutions and wellness wise is amazing. I want to touch on a little bit something that you talk about a lot, Dave. Uh, I know your your Jewish mom spoke about doctor, lawyer, or failure uh, quite poignantly throughout your life. And, and Seju, I know being the, the, the son of, uh, of physicians, uh, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? And what were the things that led you to the decision of starting your own company that's solution-focused? Great question. Thank you very much. I'll be very frank. I was pre-programmed that I should become a doctor because my father, not only my father, my uncles and my family, my father's, we have a lot of doctors in our family. So I was heavily inspired by becoming a doctor. It's the way I can achieve a success when I was young. But I actually simply failed to enter the medical college. And that completely changed my direction that I got lost. At the same time, I discovered the entrepreneurial the, the path as I found a company which I followed my passion, which was I follow heavy metal music record label. So that's how I uh, built my first business. A lot of people are uh, surprised that my first business was heavy metal, heavy metal record uh, the label software. It's so strange and it it's not hard, hard to predict from a healthcare, but that was the way wait, I- Wait, 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 was your hair longer? Did you have long hair? No, I, I never had a long hair, but I, I was pretty good head to banger though. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. And, uh, Mike Mike Mamola was a gangster rapper. <laughs> <laughs> we all love music. The thing is, music gave me a lot of good energy, and but that was using my uh, the, the talent, right? The way I get energized and way to do a vision is convert my passion out of music, uh, the business, but. The, my father's post, the terminal lung cancer experience, and then he had to leave the world. And that really like awakened me the way I see the world and really helped me to like awake. And that's the way I gave a lot of thought over my military time in South Korea. And then I uh, committed that I wanted to explore what I can do more in a healthcare, which my father left a lot of heavy words that why the overall healthcare has been overly developed, optimized for sick care management. And that really uh, heavily um, set in my heart. And then I continue to think about that. And that's how the Noom the, uh, was able to uh, the, the, the start with my co-founder, Artem, who was a Google tech lead by the time. And Artem and I were like, we can do something differently. We can do much better. Let's pay attention to end user experience. And if we deliver healthy outcome, then there will be a business. That was our naive, but bold uh, idea 14 years ago. Amazing. A 14-year overnight success from, <laughs> sl from slayer to slayer of disease. My <laughs> Noom, a half a billion dollars and more of funding. Uh, we are going to have you back on other shows. Uh, Seju Jong, you're an incredible CEO and founder uh, with the true definition of passion, purpose and profitability. Uh, I love your marketing campaigns. Keep to, even if people don't subscribe to Noom, they're at least getting educated by your commercials of how important it is That's to fun. have a healthy lifestyle. Do something you can do for life. I, I will leave you with my favorite saying that applies to your company with all the success you have. If you are healthy, you have as many wishes a day as you want. If you are unhealthy, you only have one wish. Which which one do you want to have? Thank you so much for sticking to it, not quitting. Noom is an incredible company. No wonder you're having the success that you've had. 
Uh, we appreciate you. Please come back to be on my other shows, okay, Seju? Absolutely. It's my sincere honor to be here today. Please join us. LinkedIn is the best like platform, and we want you to find, we want to invite the best talent. Our mission is strong. Let's help lives. Join us. Zoom is ready for you. Thank you very much. I love it. Go join Zoom. We love it. Thank you, Seju Jong. We appreciate Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to sign up right now. Yeah. Right. Have, you, have you seen their commercials? That, I have. Yeah, they're great. And uh, we're just going from one superstar to the next. Uh, I love, you know, I love people because you can't judge a book by their cover, um, you know, and to, to think that he was a heavy metal that was killing me. A heavy metal uh, label guy. And then he went to Noom. Uh, well, now we have to get a little bit more serious, Dave, more in line with our backgrounds, Mike, Dave, and myself. Uh, we have the incredible Dennis Kucinich. He is our former, former congressman and, of course, an author of The Division of Light and Power. Uh, I am from Akron, Ohio. I don't know if you knew that, Dennis. Uh, and uh, born in the same hospital as LeBron James and Steph Curry. Uh, also written a book, Courage to Survive. Um, Dennis, first first of all, thank you so much for your service. Um, I, I do not have the courage uh, to run for office or to especially be in office. Uh, I'd love to understand, you know, where for you, your service has evolved because I, I look at our political systems financial systems, education systems, health systems, because of technology, I don't know how government can keep up with, uh, you know, the change. And it's not fair to our senators and congressmen and, and elected officials uh, to be put on the spot to rethink things in two-year, four-year, eight-year terms uh, to make the changes necessary to the most critical institutions that have built this country. Um, you know, for you, how have you seen that evolve? Because you've uh, been a lifetime servant uh, to the betterment of our country. Well, uh, first of all, thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to be with you this morning and to join all of you. Uh, to begin with the idea of service, uh, that was imbued in me in a, at a very early age that uh, to help others. And, you know, whether it was carrying groceries for people from uh, the local A&P uh, and or, uh, or running errands or as a young uh, Catholic boy serving mass, uh, there, the idea of service was something that uh, from an early age I understood. And then as I got into public life, I understood that if you want to be a leader, you have to serve people first. So those the model of servant leadership has always meant a lot to me. Now, uh, government, uh, uh, people evolve, we all do. Uh, but technology sometimes gets ahead of us and sometimes it gets ahead of the government as well. You know, people are not that quick to adapt. And the principles of governing, I don't think they've really changed that much over the years. It's about uh, uh, responding to the practical aspirations of people. Uh, that doesn't always happen. We know that. Uh, but uh, uh, no matter what the technology is, it's still about responding to people's needs. And technology ought to be put in service of man. But as Marshall McLuhan said many, many years ago, you know, technology is often the saddle that goes on man. 
That is a, that's amazing, and you, you're truly an inspiration. Uh, amazing career. You, you you also wrote one book. You got a second book coming out. And I want to get to the book, but I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. Well, I think I think both books are already. Out. I think the last one released. Yeah, June eighth. June Sorry, yeah. Dennis. The the division of light and power out now. Uh, you can get it everywhere books are sold. We're gonna plug the book in just one second. I want to ask you a political question because you're one of the few people I've come in contact with that's been a mayor of a major city. You've been in the the Senate. You've been in the House of Rep. You, you actually even ran uh, for president uh, under the Democratic ticket uh, for for nomination. And I want to know from your perspective, having all these different roles, both at the local level and more of a, a, a federal level. Where did you feel you were making it the biggest impact and why? You know, I would say in every office I've held, I've had an impact. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, when, when I was uh, in city council uh, the, uh, at the beginning of my career, I, I, I was able to take a stand. And just the willingness to take a stand immediately pushes you in the front of whatever group that you're with. I became clerk of the Cleveland Municipal Courts and made reforms there that were very important. And then the mayor, which is the book, uh, what the book's about. And then you go to the United States uh, Congress. Look, uh, you know, Congress, I felt I had a terrific impact because I'm on the floor. There's a very kinetic atmosphere there. And there's a way to move things and to make things happen that other, you know, wouldn't otherwise happen but for your presence there. So in each, wherever I've been, I feel like I've had an impact. And and I've and I've totally immersed myself in the moment uh, of whatever uh, uh, position the people have asked me to serve in. Dennis, good morning. Um, I, I have to tell you, I feel like I've been waiting a lifetime to meet somebody like you. Um, you know, I've been in, in and around as as an attorney in my previous life, and and what I'm doing now around politicians that you know they go in to change the world and 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 the system and the system ends up changing them. And so I, I just, man, I really, uh, I, I, I'm so touched by what you're doing and how you're doing it. The book, and, and I want to read, you know, the book, it's not, it's the division of light and power. It's a utility monopoly in an epic battle, which involved corporate espionage and sabotage, bank co-conspirators, extortion, political corruption, organized crime, mob-directed assassination attempts, congressional investigations, and media cover-ups. That's everything that I live and breathe. And people like you, I applaud, I honor, I want to get behind, and I just want to know how can we best support amazing people like you. Sunlight is the best disinfectant, and I want to help you shine that sunlight on society and humanity so we can move forward as a species. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, it's very humbling what you said. And I just want to say that, you know, at, at, at this point uh, in my service, you know, it's, the kinds of things that are being said here are, are very moving. And I, I'm very grateful. Uh, the book uh, is, is a book to be read for sure. And whatever you could do to let people know about it uh, would be very helpful. And this show is certainly helpful to communicate to people about the division of light and power. Uh, I describe in that book events that uh, that perhaps have never been, never surfaced before in American history, even though we know that things are behind, going on behind the scenes. And we always you know, wonder, sometimes painfully, about how certain things came to, to be and how they happened. And I, I'm giving people an opportunity here, not just to find out about what happened in Cleveland years ago, 
but to be able to understand the processes at work in governance uh, and in, in, in the um, in the great competition that takes place between the public interests and the private interests and how that sometimes works out and how uh, how citizens can organize to protect their interests uh, against privatization of water systems, sewer systems, electric systems, parking meters. Um, that that's, that's going to be, as the American Rescue Plan money runs out, a major concern of cities uh, to, to be able to meet the needs of their people. And there'll be privatizers descending on urban America like, uh, uh, like hun hungry buzzards uh, looking at going after roadkill. Can, can I jump in, De Dave, would you mind? Yeah, no, go ahead. Dennis, to, to consider. Just I, don't I, ask him for his autograph. I know you're a huge fanboy. <laughs> I, I, I won't. I'm, I'm going to get that myself. And I, you know, I, I've, He'll I've send you a signed copy of the book. I'll pay for it. I've spoken to people about this in the past. They've approached me to talk, you know, say, you know, maybe you should enter the world of politics. And I've always gracefully declined. And I said, I won't. But if I ever did, the platform that I would run on would be free food. And I think people should be able to eat for free in this country and every country around the world. I don't understand why we can't walk down the street and pick an apple or a pear or blueberries from orchards all over the world. So I'd love to know what your position would be on that, because I just can't understand how we monetize food in a way that people can't eat unless they have money at such a basic level. I think it's so critical. Do you have an opinion on that? And I'd love to hear it. I think you're I think you're absolutely right with respect to um, to growing um, uh, things in an urban environment that are available for people to be to be able to uh, to use uh, to eat. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, the look, the commodification of everything uh, has uh, carries with it a, a burden for people. And and, you know, people have a right to to be able to have clean air and clean water and they have a right to be able to have food. Now, uh, society uh, needs to provide people with an opportunity to earn their daily bread. Uh, and if people have difficulty doing that for one reason or another, uh, the society has to provide opportunities for people to eat. I mean, one of the things I, I'm, uh, I'm looking at as uh, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, I, uh, a month ago, I became a candidate for mayor of Cleveland again, and um, and one of the things I'm thinking about is establishing centers where people can come to to be fed. Uh, you know, I, I yes, I like what you're saying, and there are different ways to do it, including uh, having um, uh, fruit-bearing trees and and other edibles uh, grown in in, um, in in otherwise vacant lots. You know, there's people. People should be able to access that. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to give a quick shout out to my daughter who uh, won a, a, a fellowship for an app, an Uber Eats app to the homeless, to feed the homeless, uh, to provide food. Uh, and uh, one of my proudest moments as a parent. Um, it's really interesting. I want to get back to the book for a second because I see another evolution that has occurred from, you know, as you talked about in the past, organized crime, political corruption. It seems to me today, and I don't know, you know, if you've received, you know, death threats and, you know, old school mob, uh, you know, uh, scaring tactics, but there's certainly 
a more hidden manipulation that occurs today, even though we have so much more exposure and awareness through media, that because there's so much noise, uh, we use confusion as the new form of manipulation. And from the president down, uh, who may know better than anyone else, not current president, but especially the, the previous president, in my opinion, was a master of manipulation of the media uh, and understanding how media has spectrum its audience and that we can you know, make up our own truths in marketing and media and politics. And I'm extremely interested in the media cover-up side of it. Do we still have mob-directed assassination type of uh, corruption or is it more manipulation in media of creating confusion of ideas that are causing you know, this division of light and power? Well, I, I'm sure there are certain gangs who represent an organization that uh, uh, that that run on on drugs and uh, and and gambling and prostitution, but it doesn't happen on the on the scale in the big cities that it used to. In the mid '70s, uh, just before I became mayor, Cleveland was known as the bombing capital of America. There was a, a turf war going on between elements of organized crime. Uh, dealing in loan sharking, gambling, prostitution, drugs, and, and other areas. Um, I mean, they even got into, uh, uh, took over a bank, a bank for a while. And so what's happened, though, is that uh, the uh, criminal activities have actually moved uh, into the financialized economy and into Wall Street. So, uh, you know, instead of assassinating someone, you just crush, crush them financially or take an industry and crush it and you know, move move the jobs and the opportunities out of out of the country. It's a, it's a different kind of mob activity. Um, and today's today's politics really, um, the financialization of our economy, has not yet produced a political response is capable of contending with these growing um, uh, with the growing power uh, in certain uh, sectors in our economy. Uh, you know, particularly on Wall Street and uh, particularly with hedge funds and and um, uh, and, and in communications uh, in the Internet. Uh, you know, there, there's there's some risks there that uh, uh, to our democracy that uh, that occur when you have unchecked economic power. Yet you uh, have no and undoubtedly have won the Gandhi Peace Award, the U.S. Peace Prize. Uh, you have my vote uh, and support for mayor. Um, we need more people like you leading us as intelligent followers, uh, people who are honest, that understand the division of light and power in both the utility sense, uh, but also as a compassionate capitalist, uh, a merchant servant, a servant to the people <clears throat> to provide peace and value uh, in a safe place to live uh, for our children. Uh, which is what I especially admire, and we appreciate you, Dennis Kucinich, uh, running for mayor now, but former congressman and an incredible author of two books, Division of Light and Power and the Courage to Survive, which I'm buying, getting signed for Mike, uh, so he can put it up on his decks at his and, office. And I, and I will, and I never put books like that up in my office. Dennis, I will, and thank you for everything you're doing. Well, thank you, and thanks for a chance to be on. You're amazing. Thank you, sir. Thank what an you. honor. Thank you for your service. Uh, we need more people like him in government.
And uh, I'm glad and proud that he's from my home state, uh, Ohio and uh, Cleveland, especially. We were just there all together um, at the NFL draft and saw, you know, the incredible transformation and possibilities that exist. All right, we have a, a quick couple of moments here bringing on the CMO and the bro founder of Wazen, uh, Adam Smith line. Welcome to Office Hours. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. You and I have uh, very similar backgrounds. I like it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, wow. I'm honored to be here and what a kick to follow Dennis Kucinich. Yeah, we had uh, Sejun from Noom and and uh, Dennis himself. So you got a big lineup and you're the, you're the third hitter. So you're the Cal Ripken coming on. Let's make it happen. Awesome. Well, yeah. What can I tell you about Wazen or myself? Yeah, give us a little background of Wazen. And I know you have a question uh, for me and the philosophers here. Yeah, absolutely. So Wazen is like so many other IoT companies. We're sitting in this very weird time right now, right? Where global supply chain is just mostly evaporated for microprocessors. Um, and so, yeah, the question I have, and I'll tell you a little bit about the company, but the question I have is really around um, capitalization for the challenge of growing, uh, uh, you know, a, an IoT company that develops uh, expensive product. It's um, uh, in this weird time that we're in. Um, so what we do is we, we make a product that you can install in a sliding glass door and it converts it to a, a pet door uh, that you can control with your phone. Um, you can also control it with Alexa and cameras and all that neat stuff because it's a connected device. And it's basically for pet owners who don't want to deal with the dog door. That's, you know, kind of the inspiration for the idea because um, dog door wasn't going to be acceptable in our house. So, um, you know, we were looking for other ideas and we came up with this one. So we built it. Um, it's a great product. Um, sales have quadrupled so far this year. Um, we've been working on it for about three and a half years. And, and you know, we got most of the hard stuff out of the way. Now we're looking, how do we grow the company? And it's a challenge in this environment um, because parts are hard to get. The prices of all the parts have skyrocketed what's available on the open market. And, um, and it's a capital intensive business, right? So each stage of growth requires an additional magnitude larger capital to, to make that investment and, and build material, get the material, build the product to get it to market. Boys, who wants to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. You know, good morning. I, I think you're in one of those unique industries that, that helps build and feed itself, children and pets. You know, those are the biggest things on social media that that. So when you say like we, we want to help build our company, you know, the company can build itself focusing on content and what you're doing. I love it as a, as a pet owner and and what you're doing. I mean, I, I'm in. So it's just a matter of letting people know what you're up to. I think focusing on content, getting it out there on social media. It, it's this is one of those companies that despite, you know, how many others have to go out there and try and pull in capital to, to, to survive. I think it's going to come to you once you show the world what you're doing because it's it's so near and dear to our hearts. Children and people are just, I mean, children and, and pets, it's just uh, something that we all gravitate to. 
Yeah, and Adam, I'd probably just echo and amplify that a little bit. I know we're asking specifically a supply chain question, and the cost of creating things is so expensive across the world right now in so many different spheres. Well, all of that is out of our control, but what we can control is the marketing, branding, and, and the reach of our company. And just like Mike and Dave, I don't like to use the word owner, but I do have a pet as a member of the family who I love quite a bit, um, who I'm actually missing here while we're in, in, in California. And you know, I've done a lot of research on the company. It looks like a great product. Uh, for me and for my wife specifically, we live in New Jersey. And, and Mike knows there are all sorts of critters that come around Jersey, from possums to raccoons to deer to rabbits. So having a traditional pet door was a non-starter for us as well. But this product, you also didn't mention that it can be motion activated on a dog's collar. That's correct, right? This I can be motion activated and we're working on the the collar tag right now. So that yeah. will be coming out soon. That's amazing. This product is a great solution for so many people. I think for us, you guys have done a great job with, with marketing so far. I would focus on marketing efforts to amplify the reach. And from there, you'll find, especially with pets, you'll find that people will spend whatever, uh, just like on their kids, uh, for the convenience and happiness of their pets. You, you hit a great point, Dave, and that emotional attachment. You know, I used to joke around that my favorite part of working with Lee Steinberg in the sports industry with Warren Moon was the irrationality of people. You could put a signature on a Jets football and get $1,000 if it was Joe Namath's name. That makes no sense. The only thing people pay more for is their children or their pets, right? A mom literally, I've seen them, a mom will starve herself so her kid has a, a quarterback lesson or a violin lesson. Will starve herself, literally put her child before eating. And so, <clears throat> sorry, realizing that, Adam, uh, and I'd be happy to help you. I you know, do a lot with companies like yours. You only have one problem, you and your bro founder, uh, your brother-in-law. <laughs> uh, you don't understand your own value and you can't articulate the quantitative value uh, that you provide. See, who cares? Who cares what the supply chain costs are? Because you have the Joe Namath signature above Joe Namath signature. You just haven't figured out how to articulate the quantitative value to exceed what you're asking for. For example, I know how much it costs to kennel my dog. <clears throat> so if I have the capability of letting my dog in and out while I'm away for the weekend or at the beach for the day, you're talking about one weekend of value to purchase your product. You have an easy road when it comes to articulating the quantitative value to exceed what you're asking for, for two reasons. One, you have the emotional aspect, which is irrational, right? People bound emotion for logical reasons, but some companies survive on the emotional aspect, like Joe Namath's signature on a Jets football. You can't give me a hard, quantifiable ROI other than some subjective prospective, hey, someday this may be worth $2,000, right? You have the best of both worlds. You have the Joe Namath accelerated curve, plus you have the hard numbers to say, how many times a year do you kennel your dog? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? How many times do you wish you were home or, or wish you were at the beach on a weekend? Or how many times have you had to drive home, go back to somewhere to let your, how many times have you had to let your neighbor, how many times have you done this? Each of those have a quantifiable result. And then you can simply say, 
from what you told me, Adam, for the six times that you wish you kenneled the dog, the six times that you went to the beach, and the six times that you had to have your neighbor, and the six times that you had to drive home, can you see any reason why you wouldn't want to have, you know, wouldn't want to have the ways in? No, of course not. And so you know, re reach out to me. Anybody else reach out to me. I have, you know, templates, exercises. I give one-on-one -on -one help to help through this process. But forget about what's missing, what's too expensive in the supply chain. Focus in on your own value. Focus in on your own value because you have undersold yourself and you need to practice or have someone help you articulate the quantitative value to succeed, to exceed what you're asking for. You are sitting on a gold mine, my friend, and it's proven by the three of us that would pay anything uh, for the, you know, I have a miniature dachshund, so my my tiny little uh, family member, my youngest uh, uh, daughter, uh, Coco. So uh, go ahead, work on that. I have templates I can send you. Reach out to me. I'd be happy to help. Does that sound fair? Yeah, it's fantastic. And I hadn't really thought about the David Meltzer signature ways in, but I like that idea too. <laughs> you got it. Just give me a call, David at dmeltzer.com. Anyone out there, I'm happy to help. The incredible guest today, Thank finished you. up by Cal Ripken of the Doggy Door, Adam Smith line, the bro founder with his brother in law. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys. Check out ways in if you have a pet. Uh, yeah, people, I, I'm telling you, so many people that I coach and mentor, they don't know their own value. They, you know, they're worried about everybody else getting paid. They forget the value they're providing to get paid and they're helping everybody. So that was me. That was me, Dave, before I met you. Yeah, I can tell you. And I appreciate that because you're extremely valuable uh, as is Mr. Marino up there in the corner. Uh, wow. You know, it's amazing. We come off the TV show this week. Uh, we had the biggest stars maybe in the world, uh, you know, and ones that maybe, uh, you know, like you think of Rob Deerdeck, uh, that we give a different insight than ridiculousness. You know, I, I call that episode the seriousness of ridiculousness because that's a serious dude. Uh, and he is so aligned with the Dave Meltzer philosophies, especially considering time. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I know it's going to be hard to separate, you know, the Cameron Diaz's and Apollo Ono's in the, uh, you know, I can't even list out all the people, the Tillman Fertitas, uh, from the takeaways of, of yesteryears, of yesterdays. They all merged together, 72 guests that we had. But what is your takeaway from today with the incredible CEO of Noom, half a billion dollars, our congressperson and running for mayor and president, you know, Mr. Kucinich, and of course, even how the blend and lessons apply uh, to Adam. You know, here we have a wide spectrum of guests uh who'd like to go first on the takeaway of the day i'll, I'll go first That's yeah, right. i love it so when I, I i do a sunday call with my original group i call it the og group and i'm like who wants to go first it's like crickets i'm like why am i here i want people begging to go first i love it all right you know mikey you get to go first because dave always gets to go first on the roundabouts uh, wow thank you you know i think dave right through the week and up until today, it's very clear for me, it's that our choices define us. And, uh, you know, one of my favorites is the Native American proverb of the grandfather and the grandson who are walking along and talking and the grandson's struggling and challenged and doesn't know where he's going in life. And, and uh, the grandfather explains to him that inside each of us, we have two wolves fighting for control and one is good 
and abundance and love and happiness and the other is despair and challenge and darkness and and the grandson says which one which which wolf wins and the grandfather says the one you feed and i think it was clear all week the people that were on the show they feed the right wolf the people that are here today they feed the right wolf so it's up to us every day to feed the right one and our choices in which one we feed define us Wow. Hard act to follow, Mike Mamola. I love that story. Every time I hear it, I love it. Um, with, with with our guests today specifically, and I know we'll talk later about the show, and, and the show was amazing, and I uh, can't wait for all of you guys to see it on Bloomberg and Amazon Prime in October. Uh, but today with, with Seiju and, and Dennis uh, and even Wazen is – is serve a purpose bigger than yourself, right? Um, with, with Noom, uh, they're doing great things to find solutions for folks to be healthier and lead healthier lifestyles. Uh, and, and I'm sure for Sage, we heard about the story and, and you asked a great question, Dave. He was you know, they were on the verge of bankruptcy at a different point and now they you know just raised $560 million. And one of the driving forces for him was that he was looking to provide a solution to, to help people. Um, and, 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 and that's important. And with Dennis, you know, courage to survive coming from nothing, you know, being mayor and one of the important cities of, of this country in the, in the Rust Belt and, you know, cl the closest city to your hometown, Dave, um, you know, he, he became mayor cause he really wanted to help. And even now, you know, some 30 years later, 30, almost 40 years later, they're looking to the same guy with these innovative ideas to come back and serve the city and the people that live there. So for me, it's, it's to serve a purpose bigger than yourself and you always feel fulfilled. Yeah, and mine's an old story as well, which I've uh, told, um, and it's about the pond, right? The, the, the pond, all three of our guests are in different stages of the of the pond. And the idea of the pond is that if I told you in 20 years that we have one lily in a lily pond, that it took 20 years to fill the lily pond. And in the first year, there's one. In the second year, there's two. In the third year, there's four lilies. In the fourth year, there's eight lilies. Well, 90% of the way, in 18 years, the pond is only a quarter filled. Most people don't believe me by then. Most people have shifted their attention from belief of what they believe to be true, the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential. Most people start listening to other people going, see, I told you, pond will never be filled in 20 years. They'll start looking at the, what's missing. They'll look at the 75% of the pond that's not filled with lilies. They'll start looking at what's not happening, what's what's what they don't want. This will never happen. This will never happen, which is the call to the wild for it never to happen. The call to the wild for what's missing. The call to the wild for all the doubters, the laughers, the scoffers, the people who make fun of you. But one more year goes by, all of a sudden it's 50% filled. One year goes by, now it's 100% filled. It takes 90% of the time before you even see a significant result enough that anybody would appreciate, but most people would doubt. And after 20 years when it's filled, as we saw with Noom, although it only took him 14 years, then you need two ponds. Then you need four ponds. Then you need eight ponds. Then you need 16 ponds. And all of a sudden you got... $540 million of funding, and you're changing the world by creating a new lifestyle psychologically based on 
feeding ourselves, as Michael suggested, not only feeding the wolf of the mind, but our own embodiments. We are what we feed ourselves, the people we surround ourselves, the idea that we put into ourselves, as well as the nutrition. Persistence plus patience is my takeaway. And I bless everybody with both and a blend of both. Allow, do everything you can to fill your pond, but allow it to happen. Thank you both so much. It's been an incredible week of office hours. Check it out in the fall. Office hours is coming on Bloomberg and Amazon. But till then, we'll be doing hundreds of episodes every Friday with David Marino and Michael Mamola. They're incredible co-hosts and more importantly, partners and friends of mine. Uh, and I will see you guys in a bit. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Clubhouse today in 12 minutes. Uh, we're going to be going over office hours and Clubhouse, uh, all the different takeaways and guests and fun stories and things that we can share. Uh, remember, training today is on forgiveness, 11 a.m. Pacific time. You can join me, David, at dmelzer.com. If you want that template that I was discussing with Adam, reach out to me, David at dmelzer.com. Also, my books, David at dmelzer.com, ebook, audiobook. I'll send a book and send it to you, pay for shipping, not a problem. Just reach out, David at dmelzer.com. You see my text number below to join that community. We will see you in about 11 minutes, my lucky number, on Clubhouse, the Breakfast of Champions. Join us there or trading at 11 or reach out to me, David at dmelzer.com. But most importantly, remember, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you in about 10 minutes. Thanks.